Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hi, this is Mark Homer for Mark My Words. Last week, Rob and I did a PPN roundtable question and answer session with, with people from our community. And lots of detail was covered in that section. People were asking all sorts of questions. We were bouncing ideas around. And I thought it would be really useful for you to hear some of those questions and the responses that we gave to help you in your property journey. Thanks very much. I hope you enjoy it. On with the show. The rules are today, there are no rules. So you disruptive entrepreneurs will love this. Yeah, Mark's just getting mic'd up. We're just here to serve you. You've even got your coffee delivered, Mark. So any questions you have about property, Thank business, Thank you. personal development, your mindset, anything at all, we're here to serve you. He'll even talk about Trump and Brexit. <laughs> so I'll be well out of that one. I've met someone with a multi-million pound amount of money to invest. So my question is, after an initial conversation, what would be the three or four key steps that you'd sort of um, suggest to develop that further? Mark, you um, obviously manage our JV partner. Have you got anything to add? You also need to work out, Mike, what it is. Um, you know, you, you obviously know what you do in terms of what your experience is. So I guess you'd be looking to do something like, I don't know, buying and then refurbing and holding, renting out. Is, is, would that be it? Yeah. So really there's two main roads, aren't there? There's either he he becomes a sort of JV partner who has a share in those properties or just gets a rate of interest. So these conversations will probably pull those two or pull that out to work out which, which road you're going down. Did you, do you have the microphone in your hand there? Oh, okay. Um, so the question was, how do you deal with all the FCA regs, etc.? So the, the best thing to do is probably um, you, you need to get him certified as sophisticated or high net worth. So usually a bank statement will do that. There's probably over 250 anyway in, in a savings account that he can show you straight away. Yeah. Now, Mike, there's um, back to sort of the gentle persuasion of this. This, is, this can be played very well. Because at the right point, you can say, because of FCA regs, before we can go any further and I can talk about deals, I just need to know that you, you are a sophisticated investor. So if you could just send me some kind of bank statement or something, so then we can start talking about the deal. And obviously, you want to make sure you save that email. So it's a good way of bringing it into the sales and influence process. If, if you're really concerned about that, Mike, <coughs> get a... Um an FCA, um, you, you know, you have uh, in, in law firms, you have these um, specialists who basically go through all the FCA regulations and can advise you specifically on a specific transaction. You get one of those guys, then they can look at what you're proposing to do, then write you an email. And even if they're wrong, once you've taken advice like that, that's, that's, that's good enough. Yeah. Um, not a normal solicitor, though, because you know, conveyance solicitor or property lawyer, they don't, they'll just put you into the deal. They've no idea about this, the fact this stuff even exists. Um, so once you've decided whether it's going to be share or interest or how you're going to, how you're going to run it, 
you probably get a shareholders agreement written up and you probably buy the properties in a limited company with you and him as shareholders. So that's just the simplest way to do it. And then you can be open and upfront with the lender. You can tell them what you're doing. You can tell them you've got the experience, he's got money. Most lenders I've dealt with, commercial lenders, they'll be happy with that. They'll do some due diligence into him, but as long as he's got plenty of cash, that'll probably suffice as long as there's somebody with experience doing the deals like you. Have you decided what the structure is in terms of how his money goes in and all that? No, really just very initial early yeah. discussion at this point. So. so it might look something like he puts the money in, you find the deals, maybe you remortgage you know, and, and get some of his money back, maybe not. And then after his money's back and after cash flow and all that, maybe you split, sorry, after the money is back, you split everything 50-50. That's, that's a frequent way to do it. Next. Microphone over. Your name is? My name's Sue. Hi, Hi Sue. Sue. Hi. Um, with regards to social media, such as Facebook and LinkedIn, <coughs> is it better, do you think, to do your own so that you've got your finger on it and you know what's happening? Or would you outsource it to somebody else? Okay, so what Mark and I do is we manage our main profile ourselves and then our outsourcer VA researcher then repurposes that across all the other platforms on our behalf. You've really got to write your own content because yeah. um, sometimes the researcher will do some of ours and um, you can kind of tell and it, it, you know, there'll, be, there'll be issues with it. Uh, he, he may do a little bit and I may kind of proofread it and then change it and put it on. But if you can sort of write the core of it and then they just sort of distribute it and put it around all the other platforms, it'll be of much higher value and, and people will receive it better because you, you can tell it's not your voice. Davinda, what's your name? Uh, good morning, my name's Davinda from Hi, Davinda. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, um, Mark. Um, I've got a question similar to what uh, Mike's was. Um, so this week, we're finally wrapping up uh, my coffee shop. We got served notice by the landlord. We know all about this coffee shop. I know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but here's the issue. So just before, he, after he served us, we won our third award, best coffee shop in Birmingham, three years after four years. So, but I think we touched on it last time. It wasn't doing too well as a business at the end. So I was, I was, I was okay to let it go. And then I got approached by somebody after reading an article in the paper and saying, okay, we heard about what you're doing. We, in theory, we like what you're doing. And so I'm the person who created a Baguette de Monde, and I know many other people, multimillionaires, who have been in the food and beverage industry. And you know, we potentially want to work with you. And so, I'm, I'm trying to say that we just finally about to close the shop down. So uh, he said that you should, you know, you've got a great brand, but you're sort of walking away from it. And you, you, there's a potential of monetizing it, oh, but you need, to, we can only work with you if you are happy to scale up, go bigger, you know, have a bigger vision of what you've got right now. Because what you do is very small, and I believe, and I agree with that. So I'm a bit stuck now. Do I, can you walk away with it? a very good brand which wasn't making a lot of money or, or should you be able to teaming up with people who've done it before and, and trying to monetize it? What is this bloke offering you? So what he said was that, you know, okay, if you, if they can first go, got a few uh, investors who can invest, they're worth, this is what they're saying, so I haven't checked it out yet. 
millions of pounds, and they would happily invest with you if you are committed to do something bigger than so. So that's as far as the depth of the conversation. Yeah, because because I have to go away and think about it, and all I'm thinking about is going holiday right now. So, you know, uh, <laughs> so I'm just. I think just think you are hilarious. I love you. <laughs> I love you. All right, so um, I've got a couple of suggestions. Yeah. Number one is I think you should check in with what you really want to do with your life. Right. And after the holiday, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. after the holiday. Yeah. And you know, if you really don't want to do this, yeah, then. You know, you should still consider walking away. Mm-hmm. That's one. But in the parallel universe, maybe there's a deal price where you would do it. So, for example, if you get, got given a hundred thousand pound cash up front, yeah, and you were able to do X, Y, and Z role, and not A, B, and C, and they are able to provide everything you needed, like amount of money for staff and marketing and blah, whatever. So you can, in a way, because they're coming to you yeah. and you don't really want it, yeah. you can create some terms, yeah. which might seem a little bit like outrageous, but you can just say, well, I'll do it on these terms, but not otherwise. And if you like those terms, well, then you like those terms. You need to take him down the road and work mm. out how serious he is. Yeah. So like Rob said, you, you give him those terms, you go all the way down the road, you, 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 know, you give him everything he needs, everything he wants, all the rest of it. And then if he falls away, yeah. then you probably got your answer right but then if it's something you want to do right. then you know or they're offering you something which you think might work then you can do it because there's probably statistically if you went if you had 10 of those people maybe one or two are actually going to be there at the end of that process do you see what I mean so right you probably it, you know I'd, it, I'm doing a project at the moment I've probably had eight different offers from different people right. as to what I can do with it. And I know that probably seven out of eight of those are not, they're a bit flaky or, or they don't appear flaky now, but they won't come to anything. You right. see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just take them all down the road, right to the end and take them at their word. Let right. them self-select. Let them, yeah, and then, and then they just start falling away. So I know? do want to monetize it you know, because, you know, you know uh, if you build a brand up, I don't know how you value a brand, but if you want the best coffee shop in Birmingham three years out of four, so it must be worth something, but I know at back of the scenes how much income was generated near the end. Yeah. So we talked about it last time, I think, but brought it up again then as well. So, but should you, as, as an entrepreneur, should we be trying to monetize a brand? Should that be, should we? Well, mm-hmm. yes, if it's a brand you believe in and you want to invest your time in and put your heart and soul into. And, right. and, a, and a business which you're actually interested in and you know, you, you like, you like doing, you, you love, you've got to, mm. you've got to love it, haven't you? Otherwise, you're probably never going to make a, a big success of it. Mm. I think there's two fundamental questions. Mm-hmm. Fundamental question number one, do you really want to be in that business? Right. Fundamental question number two, for the right money and terms, do you really want to be in that business? Because right. a lot of us, there's things we like to do, but the terms aren't right. And if the terms are better, we'd like it. For others of us, doesn't matter what terms you give us, we're not doing it. Does this guy, is he interested in just buying the brand and the business and you just going away? No, he's, he wants uh, No, he wants me to involve. We didn't talk uh, exactly how I would be involved, but I would be involved, be involved uh, in it. But I just said to him, I never work inside the shop. He said, don't worry, but we don't expect you to do that. But, you know, we need you to drive, you know, the, the, the whole concept. But you've got to... You've got to Think bigger, you know, because he looked at, he talked about our sales, you know, and the profit. He said, well, that's nothing. Okay, so yeah. let's go back to the original. So, question number one Do you really want to be in that business? Right. 
<laughs> to be honest, I had a lot of ups and downs. Yeah, we had a lot of highs. We had a lot of lows. life. That's life. By yeah, the that's way. business. So yeah. So do you really want to be in that business? Question right. one. Yes okay. or no? I'll have to think about that. Really. Okay. Yeah. Well, then that might be part of your answer. Yeah. Question number two, with the right terms, like yeah. if you could have £150,000 a year, yeah. you were given the freedom to arti artistically drive the brand wherever it wanted, right. and you were given the money to hire the staff you wanted, and the money to open the premises you wanted, right. and whatever, yeah. then would you be interested in doing it? I would be, but I haven't got those skills to think bigger, but they said they would, they have, and they... Okay, yeah. so then what you do is, you tell them what you want, you yeah. tell them what you can do, yeah. you tell them what you can't do, you tell them what you need them to do, Yeah. And you're putting almost starting to put some kind of heads of terms together. Because right. I, I don't want to be too sort of zen about this, but yeah. often yeah. something outside of you will make the decision for you. So you take them down a road yeah. and something will make a decision for you, like they'll back off. Right. Or you'll just think, ah, these terms are rubbish. And you'll get, so you can take it down the road. Right. Okay. You'll probably learn quite a lot as well. Yeah. Right. So yeah. at least explore it, not just. Yeah. To, uh, as long as it's not going to consume 60 hours a week. And as long as it's something you really want to do right because okay. if you're going to hate it you yeah. really don't want to do it right it's not going to work anyway in all likelihood one thing you are going to get from this so if i was in your situation i'd consider is you're going to learn about business in general doing this so if you're interested in business in general yes. having yeah. someone court you yeah. to fund turning you from one coffee shop to costa coffee yeah I, i'd flirt with that you yeah. know i'd try and find out as much as i could right because okay. i'm interested in business i might transmute that into something in the future right in which case you're not so much worried about the outcome of the money you get the, the education on the way if it's something you're interested in. Right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Right, let's know how it goes. Oh, At the next PPN yeah. roundtable, we'll have another, <laughs> yeah. another. Oh, yeah, of course. You'll, you'll be like, I'm still <laughs> thinking about it. Yeah. Right, All right. Thank thanks, Davinda. Cal, what's your name? Hi, everyone. My name's Cal. Hi, Cal. Hi, Cal. We're doing a deal with somebody or trying to do a deal with somebody. It's been going on for a couple of months. Um, he's now starting to change some of the parameters. Originally, the price is still the same, but now he's saying it's not a cleared site and it's outline planning instead of full planning. My gut instinct is he's just messing us about. Uh, we should re really sort of say, look, it is what it is, and walk away if he doesn't agree to that. Uh, my business partner, who's put a lot more work into it, he's a bit more emotionally invested in the project. So where would you, what would you do in that instance? I'm leaving this one to Mark because this is his area. <laughs> So, <clears throat> are they? Um, what's he trying to do? Reduce? Have you agreed a, a price? Yeah, we agreed a price. Yeah. Um, and we're sticking with that price. What he's now trying to do is bring it up by saying, okay, to, for for a cleared site, it's going to cost a lot more. Yeah. Um, and also, it's outline planning permission rather than full planning. Have you got any other offers? He's saying he has. I don't think he has. I think he's bullshitting. Sorry, you for no. your site. Oh no, it's not my site. It's we're buying this site from somebody. Sorry, I thought you were selling it. No. Oh, okay. So you're you're buying it, but the seller is trying to change yeah. the parameters. So he's trying to say that, oh, you he told you you had de he had detailed planning, and mm -hmm. so I, I presume uh, did you do a heads of terms when you started negotiating? This is what we're trying. We've been trying to get to for months, and now yeah. this is where he's starting to change the parameters from the initial conversations. Okay. And has he applied for detail planning then? He's only on outline planning at the moment. Okay, fine. So you were basically saying we agree a deal, you put your detail planning application in, and then once that's consented, then we exchange? Yeah. Okay, fine. So um, in terms of uh, 
what, what's happened when you've tried to help hold him to that, you know, outline planning position? This Sorry, detail just, planning. Yeah, this has just sort of happened over uh, since Friday, where he's yeah. kind of come back and said, "Well, no, no, that's you know, I can't, I can't do that. This is what it's going to be." So why would you not just continue with your original sort of agreed terms? Because that's what he's changing. He's saying, yeah. no, it's going to be outline but planning and it, not." You can still say, go back and say, "Well, no, this is what we agreed, and this is what I want to do," and then you could test whether he's actually got any other offers because at the moment he might just be. Um, Sort of yeah, this is the conversation I'm having with my business partner because yeah. he's saying, well, no, let's just agree to what he's saying. And I'm saying no because he's saying, well, if we upset him and he's, if he has got another offer, he'll go with that one. Why do we want to upset him? Why don't we just go along with it? And I'm well, saying, well, no, what's the issue with getting detailed planning? I mean, surely if, if it's already been decided, mm. um, it, is, is it not just, you I know... Mean, yeah, I'm not too worried about the detail the, the planning. The, the sizes the are clearance. already decided, yeah. the number of... Units is yeah, decided. decided. Yeah. Well, so the floor space is pretty much done. Yeah. Is it? Is it not? I'm or is it about time? Demolition as okay. Well. Um, and and what about all the groundwork? Have you have you done all the investigations into the ground? We have. Yeah. We okay. would need to pile on the site anyway, and we've got okay. uh, we've got quotes for that as well. Okay. So you're happy with all I'm all that? I'm happy with everything else. I'm yeah. just a little bit pissed off that three months yeah. down the line, he's now trying to change things. Well, that that happens quite a lot. Yeah. Um. You could make it subject to, so you could exchange, couldn't you? And then make it subject to some sort of clawback or something like that if, you know, because he's saying, oh, it'll all be fine. Yeah. But you're obviously concerned about not getting the right consent in the end mm -hmm. and maybe some other things. Yeah. So you could have some sort of clawback for if those things go wrong. Right. Uh, and then watch his reaction. Sure. Yeah? Yeah. A, B, I'd probably test him, say... No, this is what we want because then you'll be able to see if he actually has got other offers. Yeah. Which it, there's a good chance he's probably just you know saying that. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and then just hold it to him. You know, it's all about how much you think there is in it and how much risk you think you're taking. What's Hi. your name, Jackie? My name's Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Um, I'm just interested to know what motivated you both to start this community. Being skint. S-A-F, skint as... <laughs> what motivated us to start this community? I think I realised that human beings, our nature is to form tribes and communities. And so I didn't want to fight against nature in our business, number one. Number two, there was times when I felt alone in property and business. And then when I realized there were people like Mark around who were well into it too, how empowering that was. That was something I wanted to expand for myself. And then as we expanded it for ourselves, we had the opportunity to expand it for others. So, you know, because you'll notice if there's ever any posts about someone who's going through a real challenge, a lot of people will jump in and support them. I've done a couple of posts on depression and loneliness in property and business. I've got great. I could not have, never would have thought that they'd have got the responses they did. So that was another thing. Um, also, it enabled us to scale. Because if, you, if we say, hey, email us every time you've got a challenge, well, we can do that when we've got five community members. But when we've got 400,000, we can't. But we have the community, in a way, serves our business because it answers all the questions that otherwise you'd have to ask us. So it's useful in that regard. 
Uh, and um, it's a great, it's a safe education platform. It's a place to meet partners. There's a lot of goodwill in the bank. You know, um, yeah, reduces a lot of admin. There's, there's so many. So, so what made us realize we wanted to do it? A combination of all those things, I think. No, I think it was mine. <laughs> yeah, I think I, for, I, I was going to say force, bestowed it upon Mark. I think I, yeah, because there's always downsides. So the downside to me gobbing off about Peterborough is people come and compete with Mark. You've got a community of 15,200 people. You've got at least 200 people who are not happy and could easily go and bark and blurt it, and that's a risk. And if we didn't have that, in a way, we'd be able to hide the complaints off. But actually, I think it's more powerful to let them be in, to show that you have a, a transparent brand, because no one's perfect. And you know, we've had 1,100 VIP members. Are 1,100 of them are going to have gone and made millions? No. Are 1,100 of them are going to be happy? No. By, def by percentage, at least 500 of them are going to have either done nothing or be unhappy. Some of them would have had bad admin from us and all sorts. So um, I'm, I see more the upside. I think Mark sees more the downside. Neither are right or wrong. Both are necessary. So it's probably more driven by me. I think we started with the, the VIP product as well. Um, and that was a lot earlier than this. Uh, because, well, let, let, if, if you rewind right back, when we started doing courses, they were, I don't know, a two or three day course. And that was it. We had one course and it was called the Masterclass. And that people got together, but they weren't really, they were part of a community for two or three days and then maybe they'd swap email addresses and see each other afterwards. Um, and lots of them were saying, well, we want to sort of continue this on and we want to sort of be together and, you know, we, we want to share ideas and all this sort of stuff. Back then, Facebook wasn't really, you know, it wasn't a big thing. I mean, this was probably 2008, something like that. So with time, then obviously VIP grew out of that because of A, a lot of people wanted it, and B, we just saw that the results from a community-based sort of monthly mentorship product were much better. Uh, the, the results were much better, you know, people wanted it more, you know, and, and, and generally, it, it, you know, it, it, it just grows into a, a sort of better product. And obviously Facebook came around that time, so we'd already seen the evidence of this sort of community-based teaching, learning, monthly um, thing working. So that then transmutes into this technology that's available at the time. Rob spotted it and obviously saw these communities sort of popping up. So we need one of those. So then he's sort of built it. So we, we definitely got the learning off VIP. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's also something I enjoy to do. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like being in our community. If I wasn't in ours and we didn't have ours, I'd be in others. So I enjoy it. I mean, I must have spoken to seven or eight people over the last three days. Two of them, I'm still helping with the legacy of the stuff that I'm with Mark Hansen. Of course, I have no obligation or need to do that. But, I, you know, it's like when you're financially free from property and you've not really got a lot else to do, what else would you do? Um, and it served us very well. And if I didn't give it the time, it wouldn't be honoring what it is. Uh, yeah. So, you know, we're, um, I, I always want to be involved in the new tech. I always want, I, I always want to reduce the friction in the property world and the business world and I like you know I like um I like disrupting and evolving things that suits me. I love seeing the numbers go up. Yeah. That's great. I've met all my um 
the people that helped me grow my business, I've met them all through this community, even though they're they are actually in my local area. Yeah, yeah. We've all met by a. It's very powerful. Yeah, it is. We we um we were doing uh, quite a lot of business, sort of networking, going to these networking clubs when we started, and we saw a lot of the power of it in those sort of business community networks, uh, and how you know they found all their suppliers and quite a few customers within those those groups, and um, it just became obvious to us that that was a you know a great way to grow your business. And um, I get loads of ideas, information, all that sort of stuff from from these communities. It's also uh, it's great to hear when you say that, because we know we're giving people way more benefit over and above just buying our products and services, which builds goodwill to us. Now, of course, like everything has an upside and a downside, so we also have to aware that there'll be some failed partnerships going on that we know nothing about, or some people coming in and cherry picking, or or you know a bit of abuse through private. But this, you know this is what happens when you put human beings together. It all happens. Um, but I, you know I love hearing that, and I hear that a lot. And so, you know, if we do ever offer future products and services, there may be some goodwill in the bank that, you, that we've created with you. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's a bit like anything in, anything in, you know, like an army. It's not just the leader, it's the foot soldiers. You know, like a president gets voted in by the people. It's, it's, it's the future of business is community rather than, you know, I am the seller and you are the buyer. All right, you've driven all this way. Don't leave without a question. Microphone coming your way. Um, Stefan, what's your name? Stefan. Hi, Stefan. <laughs> From Northampton. Never mind. <laughs> My question is on scaling up. So simply, I've been in full-time property for two years. Um, it's been a great journey. Um, my background is architectural design and design and build of projects. Um, I've worked on some fantastic projects. Um, the last two years, we've done quite a few commercial conversions and new build schemes. Um, but it's more the scaling up and the credibility when we're looking at five, six, seven, eight million pound developments, and how we get the credibility with ARJVs and the lenders when we haven't, say, completed 30 units and we've done schemes of five or six only. So it's the credibility and the scaling up part that I'm struggling with at the moment. Bring someone in who's got good experience in those areas, do some projects with them. Um, when you meet the bank or your JV partners or whatever, obviously they're the person who've got that experience. Um, and um, usually you can set a company up, you can both be shareholders. And if there's someone in the deal who's got that experience previously, then the bank will usually run with it. Um, you know, as long as they're controlling the deal and you know, they're, you know, got a, a good percentage in the company. Could yeah. that be even the main contractor we appoint? Would that, it's not quite, they're not, not in Not usually, it'd usually be the owner of the building, the person, the developer, yeah. that the lender is lending to, yeah. Okay. Um, it, it helps, I mean, pro projects that I'm doing at the moment, clearly I'm talking to quite a few banks yeah. about it. Um, the, the, the contractor is, or, or a contractor that, you know, because I'd be looking at a series of them, um, they'd want a contractor of a certain size, but the, the project manager that I'm bringing on has done massive projects. So I'm already confident that he'll be able to persuade the bank or whoever that the contractor's okay. Um, you know, he's quite confident of that. And they, they sort of will go on his experience. Do you see what I mean? Sure. It's a mixture. There isn't, uh, you know, when you get to these sort of bigger deals, they... Um, they'll look at it and it's down to the individual, isn't it? It's down to your relationship manager and, and credit 
and what they feel on on the uh, on the project, what they feel comfortable with. Um, I think in terms of you, um, maybe it's also an indication of sort of the the um, the path that you should go down. Yeah. When we went for development finance the first time, we hadn't done any conversion projects or any sort of development projects, uh, but we'd done a load of small houses, which you could say were you know small development projects. They're all light refurbs, but we'd done loads. We'd done hundreds of them. And our relationship manager at the bank knew that we'd done all those. And he said, well, that's good enough for me. Uh, you can go on to, and he let me do a 23-unit scheme, 23-apartment scheme, um, based on that experience. So, you know, y y you do need to work in stages anyway. And there's a reason why they force you, you know, why they want you to do that. Because, of course, if they thought you were always going to be successful, why wouldn't they just let you do it? Because they're going to make money from it. So... It's not a bad thing that they sort of control the process and say, well, what's your experience? You need to move in stages. Get, yeah. get some experience before you go on to the next one. Um, you could definitely scale up too fast. Yeah. And uh, entrepreneurs are often, they expose themselves to that because they look at the, you know, you want to shoot for the moon. So six to 30 is a jump. And maybe the feedback is it should be 10 next. You know, you, you know like progressing steadily in the long term, it's probably better than big jumps. I've seen a, like, if you could see, if you could do the classic developer story of going bust, one house, four houses, two sets of four houses, eight houses, 485,000 houses recession bust. You know, they just, they, they roll everything into this massive project. And they just, they, because with, as with anything in life, the, you get, diminishing law of returns and you get exponential the costs and challenges and difficulties. So like in hi-fi, you spend 300 quid on a hi-fi or 600 quid on a hi-fi, you'll get a hi-fi that's twice as good at 600 quid. You'll get one that's half as good at a grand. You'll get one that's a quarter as good at two grand. You'll get one that's an eighth as good at five grand. And then when you're at 10 grand plus, they're like 0.1% better. But inversely, when you go from a small plot to a big development, you have 28 times the difficulties, the risks, the problems, the challenges, the resistances. You know, the planning resistances you have in big deals come from everywhere, places you never even knew. So, yeah. I probably would have completely ignored that advice 10 years ago and just gone for big, massive. Uh, but, you know, self-awareness is also important. What's your name? Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Hi. So we had... Um, a potential opportunity to manage four apartments um, for do service accommodation in our town. And we think the deal's brilliant, really sets us with the numbers. And we think it's our local contacts, we can really make it work. But when we went to see the property owner, who would be our partner, you know, he wouldn't look us in the eye and he just didn't gel and you just think he'd be a nightmare to communicate with. So how important is the relationship with someone versus the deal, which I think is really good, or can you work that into a contract? Why, why do you need to do the... Can you not just buy it from them and then... No, he wants, he wants to, he's converted it at the moment into four flats, but he's been sold on this idea of doing it as SA, but obviously he's going to manage it for him. So that's what he's... So you'd be managing his... Managing his uh, apartment. His block. Uh, yeah, as one of the as SA. Yeah, okay. I mean, you could test one. Yeah. You could take him down a further road and see if your gut instinct becomes true or... Uh, he alleviates it somehow. Yeah. 
or three, you could walk away and trust your instinct. I do have to trust you, but yeah. <laughs> so that's an emotional thing, isn't it? You want to be careful with that. Yeah, yeah ch you know, like, yeah, chasing that problem. I mean, I'm sure there'll be other buildings that can do the same thing. But exactly. Yeah. But also, when you meet someone once, when you speak to someone on one occasion, you can, pick, you can read something that is there, but only then. Something could have happened in their life. So you you know you want to give people a few chances, not like a few chances to make a mistake, lose your money, and go again, but a few chances of meeting them to get an overall read. He may have had a really bad day. So he may have someone may have told him something about you, and he hasn't done any diligence yet. It could have been a lot of things. Hi, Hi Sue. Sue. Um, we've got a joint venture partner, as in they want to invest. We're going to have the knowledge, we're going to find the property, etc, etc, et but they've got money, but they don't really want that much of an involvement. The question is, um, with JV partners like this, how much of an involvement do you give them, as in, do you go around and show them the properties that you're thinking of buying, or do you just say, look, we're, we'll find the property and you give them money? Not like that, but do you do it like that, or do you say, let them have an input. Which property do you think of? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I think I do, but you're starting to start to say it different ways. Because if you've decided on the property and then want to have a look, that seems okay. If they start saying what kind of property it should be, that seems not okay. No, we've chosen the property. We've got four possibles. So they're not going to choose the property we are, etc., etc., and what's going to be done to it. But how much of an involvement do you give them? Do you sort of show them the property and say, what do you think? Or do you just say, oh, no, trust us, we'll, we know what we're doing? Does that make sense? Well, people are probably not going to invest unless they can see what it is they're investing in. Yeah. So you may initially get them interested by taking them around some completed projects. So maybe you do a bit of a tour with them, you show them what you've done before, you show them your model. Then you say, when I get a deal, then you know I'll, I'll send it to you, and we can you can decide whether you want to get involved in this deal specifically or not. So as the deals come out, you start sending them to them, um, and um, you know you, you can say yes or no. Um, some people will want to come over and have a look. If they want to have a look, just book them in. They can look at the building. If not, they don't. Um, that's how you'd normally run it, and you give them a, a time frame to make a decision, and if you know, just say, you know, during that period, look, I, I am putting it out to three or four different people. I need a decision by this date, you know, and, and work it like that. I think it's also good to ask them how much involvement do they want and then work out how much involvement you want them to have and then try and meet those needs. Because if it were me, I wouldn't really want any involvement at all. I've got my own stuff to do. I don't want to trust the person. I probably would have a look the first time and then I know. And I'd probably want an update every couple of weeks via email and maybe one chat a month. But others would want to be more involved. But, but how much they, the more involved they are, the harder it's going to be for you. So you don't want to be involved too much. But you want them to be comfortable that they'll let you get on with it. So probably a start with a conversation as well. Hi, my name is Plaxi. Hi, Plaxi. What are the five most important, um, and you, uh, important apps on your phone for running your business and why? So the, the ones I use most are the Lloyds Banking app because 
I'm looking at money coming in and going out, paying contractors or, you know, looking at rents, uh, looking at sort of where cash flow is, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so I use that all the time. Uh, yeah, Lloyds of Barclays. Um, uh, running business. Um, running business remotely. Um, email. That would be app number two. Uh, because clearly I'm always receiving emails, sending emails, all that sort of stuff. Um, right move. I use that a lot. A lot of the time I'm using the sold section of Rightmove because I'm just trying to work out what the market's doing because I don't generally look at properties on Rightmove. I'm looking at commercial buildings which aren't on there. Um, so I'm probably going to, to Google to find that. Um, yeah, what else? Um, That's a good question, number one. Number two, you realise how many shit yeah. apps you've got on your phone that you never use. Okay, well, one Mark's having a look, I'll chuck in and bail him out. I'll probably, I mean... Utilities I use quite a lot, like the compass, uh, to work out which way the building's facing, or if I'm looking at a plan of the building, uh, I need to know which way north, south, east, west is. I should know anyway. My, my stepfather can just look at the sun and tell me exactly. Um, just like everything else he knows on the planet. Well, he'd be no stuff <laughs> like does. that. He does. He knows a lot. Honestly, yeah. no. Um, yeah. Um, and I would... Google Earth I use quite a lot as well. So looking at sites and looking at buildings and working out what the land is around the building. I quite like that app for doing that. And obviously Google Maps. Don't use Apple Maps. Google Maps is much better. Um, I look at the, the stock market quite a lot through Hargreaves Lansdowne app. Um, so I'll work out what the indices are doing or currency or different equities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably banking apps I'd use the most. I bet you use the um, British Airways Americans. Yeah. WhatsApp quite a lot, don't you? Well, I use the British Airways one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's not, it's not my business, is it? That's well, you, you save us a lot of money on flights. Yeah. Yeah, lot. that's true. I do look at that BA app quite a lot. Yeah. Use Avios. So there's a Apple Map, like Google Earth, but for Apple. What's it? What's it called? Oh, Apple Maps. Yeah. Yeah, I have actually got it. Is it? Yeah, this this is the thing you see. They they bring out something rubbish, and then people lose trust, and then they won't go back, and you ignore it. And that's been me. Um, a lot of Apple stuff's gone that way. Totally lost trust in Apple TV, and I've got the Amazon box. Way better. Um, yeah, Apple's brilliant, but in some ways they're just um, bringing out some rubbish. Yeah. Okay, so. There are a lot, but I think you wanted to know about sort of the mobile lifestyle. So uh, when I needed to get access to my computer in the office, I used to use the Log Me In app, and that was really good. But now I've synced this with my Mac, which can get on the hard drive in the office, so I don't need that anymore. But an app where you can get all of the access to all the data on hard drives whether it's your PC at home or if you have an office, your mainframe or whatever, you want to be able to do that. But yeah, don't, so I used to use LogMeIn a lot. Don't need to now. Evernote. So Evernote's the one where I basically keep all the notes and instructions to myself. So I've got a house snagging list because we're having our house done and Gemma can sync with that. And my main goals document, which is um, 
as you can see, a pretty big document of all the goals, vision, strategies, key result areas. That's probably my most important document. Um, I keep a little um, folder called um, What My Haters Told Me I Couldn't Do. And uh, you'll, you'd recognize some of the names in there. It's actually not, it's quite a small list, look. I'm not surprised. Um, all the uh, job descriptions and roles for the, my main staff members all the new books and ideas and my to-do lists and everything. So if you get a PA, she can um, sync with your to-do list. I use see, that a lot. See your to-do list. So I, I use the Apple to-do list, and I've, I've got all sorts of stuff running in there at the moment uh, to do with business, where I'm getting money from, uh, a load of stuff about what stone I'm buying at the moment, uh, stuff about how much I've spent on each on different projects. Um, Podcasts I'm listening to, uh, so I'll write notes on those uh, and how to sort of improve, you know, what it is I'm doing or improve my life or whatever. I have one run, running for films, so every time I hear someone say this is good or I see an advert for a film and I think that's good, I keep a list running because you know when you want to watch a film, when you want to watch a film at the weekend, you'll forget the name of the good ones. Um, so another version of that is called Trello. Uh, which if you're managing staff or outsourcers um, is the next level of that. Some of my team internally use it. I don't use it because I, I only really manage MD and PA because then there's, you know, we've got all the other, we've got seven, five staff, something like that, and then they're managed by managers, et cetera. And, but Trello's a really good one because you can go and update your to-do list and someone else can see it and it's a communication tool as well. So that's a, a really liked one. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Hive and Control 4, to operate my house through Control 4. Um, so I could log into all my um, security cameras around the house now and all that kind of stuff. Actually, I could check what the builders are up to. Or not. <laughs> you just sit there staring at it all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah uh, Hive you can use for all your, um, you keep turning down the um, temperature on your HMOs after your <laughs> tenants turn them up. So. Hive's a pretty good one. I know there are other versions of that. Um, then all the social media ones put into one group. So you've got WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Skype, Instagram, Snapchat. You know, they're quite important to me, the um, social media ones, because I run a lot of my business from there. I've just got into Strava, because I bought a push bike. Tape a call. is a good one, because every time you're doing a call, you can record it. Now, as long as you've got permission from the person you're speaking to, if you're doing a sales pitch or if you're doing some kind of tenant checking in or inventory or whatever, you can just record the call and then you can send the recording to your VA and then you've got a system. So that's a good one. Uh, audio memos. So it's not, it doesn't record a call, but if you're going around and doing viewings, inventory, if you're um, whatever, like some of the things I'm giving you here, you just record it into audio memos. Blah, 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 blah. And then you send the file to your VA, and your VA transcribes it, writes it down. Then you have a system that you can use. So um, I use that from time to time. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I hope you enjoyed this PPN roundtable. Thanks, everyone.